Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I wanted to get this episode out a little bit sooner than normal, so it's not coming out on its regular Tuesday. And the reason why I wanted to do that is because a lot of people are talking about Momo. (laughs) Dun, 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 dun. And it's just in the news right now, and it is spreading its way through society and into our kids' classrooms and onto the playground. So no matter what, it's something we have to talk about because one, we have to be educated about what this viral thing is, how to talk about it with our kids, and then what's the bigger discussion. And the good thing about this in a weird sort of way, you know, I'm always about making lemonade out of lemons, is that this brings to the forefront a good conversation in general about social media, about technology, about parental involvement, and having good conversations with our children. So I wanted to invite Dr. Adam Pletter to the show, and he's been on the show before, and he's my go-to guy when it comes to kids and technology. He's very grounded and reasonable and rational, and he offers some really good practical suggestions about us moving into this digital age where this is the new norm for our kids. And so we can't, we can't bubble them as much as that's my knee jerk reaction. And I like his approach. And he talks a lot about the type of conversations we're supposed to be having and, and how to move forward. So I thought the Momo thing was something that needed to be addressed because if you have an anxious child like me, your kids are probably freaked out. So my nine-year-old was up all night, two nights ago when he heard about it. And somebody told him all the scary details about what's concerning about this. And then I didn't think that my seven-year-old had heard anything about it until she was up all night last night. And then this morning she was talking to me and she said, you know, there's this scary monster thing and somebody was talking about it in art class. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. So it's going to impact our kids, um, whether it's a hoax and kids are not having, you know, major issues with Momo coming and trying to tell them how to kill themselves. It's something that is going to upset our anxious kids and upset our anxious parenting. So I uh, want you to hear what Dr. Adam had to say and share. He is a psychologist, but he's also the creator of iParent101. And he created the site iParent101.com. And he talks about strategies for parents related to technology. And he's really the go-to person on this topic. So Definitely check out his website, iparent101.com. And he also has some very cool courses that I find really helpful in navigating parental controls and contracts and just great tools to, to open up that dialogue with your kids. Also, before I go into our interview with Dr. Adam, I do want to mention that something cool is happening this week. So Calm the Chaos Workshop starts on March 7th, which I believe is this Thursday, And it is going to be an amazing workshop that is run by Dana over at Lemon Lime Adventures. And it is all about how to help our kids self-regulate, calm down. We address those behaviors. We find what's under those behaviors. All the things that I talk about will be 
addressed in the workshop. And she gives really practical advice and good mind shifts on how to address behavior. I took it last year. I found it really helpful. I always follow along when she has calm the chaos workshops and I always support them because it always brings to the surface, my awareness of how to address my child's behaviors. When I just look at it as difficult and ugly and frustrating, and it's just a good reminder how to shift my perspective, approach it in a different way. And I always get better results. And the best part of the whole thing is that the workshop is completely free. So you definitely want to tap into these free resources when they're available. And I am often highlighting free resources, workshops, webinars, things that I know can benefit you guys and aren't going to cost you anything. So if you're interested in signing up, I will leave a link in the show notes and on my website, or you can just go to www.bitly slash calm the chaos. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash capital C calm the chaos, one word. Or you can just text me. So if you text the number 44222 and just text the word, all one word, calm the chaos, I will send you a link and that way you don't have to worry about it. I'll just let you know where it is and you can register and sign up and then you can get all four videos, watch them, participate. She'll have a private Facebook group that you can join and we can talk about our aha moments and just bring about our awareness this entire next week. So hope to see you over there. But without further ado, I want to get back to my interview with Dr. Adam and uh, let you hear our great discussion. So here it is. Well, I want to welcome Dr. Adam to the show again. I, he is my go-to expert on tech stuff. So um, there's been a lot of stuff in the news lately about Momo, which apparently is not a new thing. But um, the first person I thought of was like, I just need to contact Dr. Adam and have him on so that we can get the skinny on concerning, what is not concerning, what parents need to know. And then I think to have a bigger conversation about just how to like protect our kids in general, since it's, um, it's such a big topic right now. So thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate yeah. it. So let's just get the Momo thing out of the way so that um, we can talk about what it is, what it isn't, what parents should worry about, shouldn't worry about. All right. So um, I'm going to make a request actually, um, as you're putting this video together, if you could not have that picture, um, as part of the original thing, I don't know how you feel about that, but cause I'm so tired of seeing this picture on my newsfeed and I'm, I'm assuming other people are as well. Uh, so the Momo is this freaky, um, it's a, it actually, it's based on this sculpture out of Japan, um, as I've been reading, and it's this, I'm sure you've seen it, if you're watching this video, it's dark eyes, and it's just this creepy-looking little girl character, I guess. Um, and I guess that image has been embedded, supposedly, in um, some kid uh, content on YouTube and YouTube Kids, where it pops up while they're watching, you know, perfectly normal kid-related content. Um, some cartoon or whatever. And then all of a sudden you have this scary looking image and then it becomes, you know, this person on the other end communicating with your child, um, telling them to do certain challenges, engaging with them, um, uh, through the video. But I think, um, the, the more concerning, uh, Momo pieces that it also, there's these profiles, uh, uh, and this is international by the way, not just in this country, uh, where they, um, you know, through WhatsApp or Instagram or other messaging type services, 
um, it, it tells the person, the child, to put the Momo in their contacts, and they are then basically talking back and forth, challenging your child, if your child sort of gets pulled into it, to do certain tasks. And some of them are kind of silly and almost in it's sort of like a game. Waking up in the middle of the night, I've seen, doing certain things, reaching out to certain people, sharing the whole Momo thing with their friends, trying to spread it, because that's ultimately what this is about. Um, and ultimately, um, at least what got all of uh, us parents all up in arms and concerned is that the final challenge of the Momo challenge um, was that, you know, Momo would tell your child to kill themselves. Um, so obviously as a parent, you, you read that, you see that, and, you know, the hair in the back of your neck goes up and you're like, no, we don't want that. So, um, but that's basically my brief understanding of, of what Momo is, um, sort of this jump scare, and then there's these challenges that are connected to it. Um, and it's gone, you know, viral around the country. So there's sort of two different layers here um, that I think about. There's the, um, what are our kids doing on YouTube and YouTube Kids and on, on these various apps, WhatsApp, Instagram, other uh, messaging apps. Um, and that calls us to feel anxious ourselves as parents that we want to protect our kids. It's poking at our fears to um, that uh, this more primitive part of our brain to protect our kids. And then that leads to the viral hoax piece where as far as I'm aware, and I've been reading a lot about this all week um, that, you know, there, there really isn't much to it except uh, that it's been spread around by well-meaning parents like us um, and professionals trying to get the word out. You see something, say something kind of thing. Um, and that it has spread exponentially around the world now as supposedly this real thing. But, you know, as far as I have read, there isn't, you know, either, unfortunately kids do die. Kids do uh, commit suicide at times. I don't want to make light out of that ever. Tragic every single time. Um, but as far as I've read, there's been zero connection between um, any of those tragic events and an actual Momo challenge or Momo um, uh, video. Um, so I'll pause there, but that's my basic understanding. Please feel free if you've read something different, but that's my understanding. Yeah, and I think, I feel like there are, like, there's two levels of the whole Momo thing. Um, it's one, it's been around for a long time. I've read about it in the past. Mm -hmm. So I think there is the whole like challenge component where it's challenging kids to hurt themselves, to kill themselves. So there's that component. And then I think there's the Momo piece where it's popping up on YouTube kids, you know, and, and what that entails, you know, is really neither here nor there, but the fact that this jump scare thing is happening yeah. and it's getting through their filters. So I, um, I feel like those are almost two different issues because they're, I'm hearing a lot of stories that there's not a lot of validity in the fact that like kids are killing themselves, but I am hearing a lot of validity in the fact that it is popping up on YouTube kids. And I'm hearing from parents that follow me or on my Facebook page or my Facebook groups that they have seen it themselves or like their kids have experienced it. And so there is some validity in the fact that, yeah, this really creepy picture is jump scaring their kids. And for, for our anxious kids, that's enough <laughs> to know that this creepy bird thing is going to pop out when they're sitting there watching Peppa Pig or Fortnite videos. 
So um, if there's validity in that, I feel like that's a good, dis- it's a, it's a good launching for an awareness that we should have no matter what. Exactly. And, and right? that's where it's not new, whether we're talking about a blue whale challenge from a couple of years ago, which right. sounded very similar. Um, it was again, challenging kids to do different tasks and, you know, and then ultimately kill themselves. Again, a lot of this, I don't want to make light out of any of that, but I agree with you that in terms of this conversation where I think we can get some help and some uh, forward movement here is sort of going back to, uh, from my point of view, which I think you share, um, as digital immigrant parents, digital immigrant um, uh, caregivers and teachers and well-intentioned, lovely people trying to get a handle on what are our kids up to online? And yeah. we often don't have a good sense of that, um, that, you know, and they're watching videos and YouTube, YouTube kids, whatever the platform is, um, is a bit of a rabbit hole. And once the kids are in there, um, it's hard to know what they're watching and it's hard for them even to sometimes I work with plenty of kids and I have kids in my, at home and my, myself that, um, you know, you start watching a Fortnite video and then that leads to this and it leads to this and you're, you know, and you, it's hard to know exactly how you got to what you're watching. And sometimes it's perfectly innocent and, and perfectly safe and others it's creepy. And so yeah. I'll start with, um, and I say this in my workshops all the time, um, something I advise parents to teach their kids because ultimately I'm all about parents mentoring and safeguarding and, and teaching our kids to self-regulate. And yeah. my way of helping them self-regulate with YouTube on this level at least is to be aware of what I call the weird factor that anything that feels weird, it doesn't have to be dangerous necessarily. It could be, but anything that is weird um, to, to be, to don't just skip over that, not just keep that to themselves to talk to their parents. It doesn't. And, and for parents and not just then rip it away. Because then if you do that, your kid's not going to tell you when something is weird. But to listen and to assess, okay, what was that thing? And can we flag it? Can we look at it? Can we report it? Um, There are mechanisms in place on YouTube and other places, and I'm sure more are going to be coming out now, at least from what I'm hearing, um, to give uh, the users uh, some type of recourse uh, to make it safer. Um, There's no way... Um, YouTube and anything that is done with an algorithm, any screening that is done with an algorithm, which YouTube kids uses, um, where that's going to be perfectly safe. It's anything on the internet. I don't care what platform you're using. It's not a hundred percent safe, but there are other YouTube alternatives out there that I recommend in my, in my workshop and in my office that again, I don't think are perfect, but are a huge step forward from um, YouTube kids because it's screened by a person, it's screened by a teacher or someone they've hired um, is built into the platform that any video on this platform, Jester comes to mind as the one that I've been using the most and recommending because um, it's an app. It's not just a website um, where it's, it's curated, selected carefully and screened by people. And then in addition to that, especially for younger kids with Jester at least, and that's J-E-Z-T-E-R. Okay. The parent can also screen. The parent does a whole parent login where you can make a playlist for your kid and you could, you know, kind of put videos that you think your kid would want to watch. And so you, not only was it originally screened to be on the app, but it's screened by the parent themselves. 
Um, so you know exactly. There is no Momo popping up because you've seen, at least you've you know, moved the cursor through and you could see that the, per the video is just a Minecraft video or it's uh, whatever, an unboxing video or whatever your kid is into. Right. Um, so, and there's others out there too, not just Jester. I like Jester because of this playlist factor and that the parents themselves can go through and, and, and select uh, videos that you think your kid will want to watch. Um, and, and as, as for all you savvy parents out there that have listened to us and, um, taken my advice and gone to common sense media, I will just make a quick note here that, um, if you do look at Jester, for example, on common sense media, it's an old review and I, I don't think it really, I loved common sense media, but I don't think common sense media's review of it is, is accurate. Um, and I would encourage common sense media if anyone sees this, maybe we'll t I'll tag it um, later um, to take another look um, because they're, you know, it's not perfect and they're um, definitely working on it. Jester I'm talking about yeah. uh, to make it better. But um, you know, some of their complaints about it being, um, you know, where there's ads and there's external links, YouTube has all of that, you know, <laughs> ads and external links. And, you know, so yeah. just to kind of, put that in some sort of perspective or context, um, an app like Jester or KidCam a couple of years ago, I don't think KidCam with K's is still in business, unfortunately. Um, I have to stop recommending them um, because I've, I've tried to contact the owners again um, and it doesn't seem like the website's still running. So, um, but that was another um, uh, website that had people, humans, screening the videos before they were put onto the platform for especially young kids to be watching. Yeah. So, so you said initially that we shouldn't like just take away YouTube, you know, but we should teach them. So I wonder like what ages or roughly, cause it really depends on your child's cognitive functioning as well and their maturity, but as a guideline and vulnerability around anxiety and impulsivity. And, you know, it gets complicated. Right. Yes, yeah. Cause I'm wondering, um, cause I will, I'll be honest, like I just ripped kids YouTube away <laughs> yesterday because my kids are so anxious um, and they're watching, you know, they're watching on their own. And, and I felt like they could handle, you know, the odd weird thing that pops up, but then they couldn't handle this bird-like thing popping up, you know? So is that wrong to do? Is that wrong to just pull it away? Well, from my point of view, I'd rather not just pull things away and then your child is left with, um, I think we talked about this last time, we, we had one of these videos where lots of parents use YouTube and YouTube Kids and those kind of video platforms as a very healthy, productive coping strategy. Um, before bed, um, at other times as a way of getting the child out of that way of thinking and, you know, and maybe watching a relaxing video or a funny video or, you know, depending on what's going on. So I wouldn't necessarily, because, you know, we had this Momo scare this week, you know, go to the other extreme where now we, we don't have that coping strategy anymore. Um, and that's why I, I'm jumping to, you know, if you could replace it with something else, um, that allows you to know specifically what videos your child is going to be watching, um, depending on the age of your child and all of that. Um, you know, that's why I, I you know, I, I have been recommending, um, Jester, um, is, is, I know there's others too, but that's the one that I, that I, I'm, I'm most familiar with right now. 
Um, and I, re- I downloaded it again yesterday and I was kind of going through to see the updates and it is significantly better than it, than it was. Um, so, you know, in terms of what ages, you know, once you get into that 10-year-old-ish age, most 10-year-olds that I know only want real YouTube. Yeah. They don't even want to look at YouTube kids to begin with, regardless of Momo um, or anything else. Um, so, you know, it really depends knowing your kid and how many hours, how, what are they looking at? You know, instead of just seeing all digital content as the same, I would, look, I would try to engage a dialogue with your child um, around what is the content and w- what are they watching and, um, and having some boundaries and structure around that where it's okay for him or her to watch for the next 20 minutes. And, you know, we could see the video is only three minutes long. And so he's going to watch a few of those and, or maybe this, vid, you know, ninjas video for Fortnite or whatever is, you know, 20 minutes and he's watching that and he's learning about the new season and, you know, what to look for. And, you know, this is part of what, you know, there's a whole generation of kids who grow, are growing up watching YouTube, watching their video games, just as a one example. And, you know, I don't think there's a major concern from my point of view that, that would re- require taking that away. But I would, and I would say this before the whole Momo thing, so this is not new for my end, but for parents and children to be talking about what they're doing online and having that dialogue and, and for the parents to be able to set reasonable limits around those videos. So it makes sense. Well, I think the question is, you know, if there's this possibility that something really freaky is going to pop up in the middle of it. And so even if you have a good dialogue and you talk about it and you've got some good parameters and so it's not out of control, you know, the likelihood of something popping up may be small, but it's still there. So then what do you do? Like if you have a child with anxiety or OCD, like in, in my world and with the audience that listens to this, we have kids who have clinical like diagnoses, most of us, where like my son is nine, he's in third grade. And I did not talk about Momo, but um, I just, you know, I gave them jellies instead. You know, I replaced their YouTube kids, which we'll talk about jellies in a second. And um, he came home and that was the talk of the school. Like everyone had talked about Momo. So he was afraid of YouTube. He was afraid he understood why I took it away. He couldn't go to sleep last night. And he, this was just through talking about it, not even seeing the image. So yeah. to me, you know, the risk is a little bit too, too much right now for their mental stability. But yet I gave them jellies, which is, um, it's a little bit too kid friendly. <laughs> I don't know. Jellies is um, is another alternative that seems like it's curated by parents and it's really good content from YouTube, mm-hmm. but it is very it seems very academic oriented, mm-hmm. and they are wanting their YouTubers, you know, and they're missing that. I don't know if there's a happy medium for parents. Again, so what you're describing makes perfect sense to me, and I think it it was the right call. Not that you need my judgment on this, but I think it was the right call to take a break and to uh, hit pause, um, whether you deleted the app or just made it not available through the settings. Um, Either way, it's not hard to reinstall it. Um, So, you know, I think that is a reasonable response, but I wouldn't have that be your, your go-to moving forward. Anytime there's something that's potentially scary on the internet or on YouTube, I would caution any anybody, even with clinical diagnoses, to jump to okay. Now we need to take it away. 
um, again, depending on the age and depending on the severity of the, let's say, the, the anxious episode that your child might be going through this week, because ultimately we're raising future adults. This is sort of my thing. This is my approach here where, you know, we have to be very careful about what we're offering our kids at various ages and knowing them. But the big picture, if we zoom out, and what I'm about to say can be controversial, but from my point of view, I don't think it works. You know, abstinence doesn't work from my point of view um, in, in the digital world, at least. And we could expand that to other aspects yeah. of our society as well. But um, just saying we're not allowing any of this because of a, not because you're not ready for it or can't handle it, but because of a potential risk, that sounds like more of an, an anxious over over response um so you know being you know it's okay for this week to say okay you know given what's going on and it's all over the place we're just going to take a break and we're going to use jellies instead or jester or, or kid cam or whatever the alternative is but i would be careful you know if you zoom out and look at the bigger picture of where, where we're heading in terms of raising our kids and helping them manage in this world they have to have some exposure and i and i and i and I want to be very careful about this because depending on the family, that the child and the parent may not be ready for that exposure and therefore they should wait. But it's not waiting indefinitely and just saying we're not doing this. Yeah. Um, and I get that question a lot. So what are, what are some good first steps where, let's just say, we'll just assume that we're talking about an anxious kid because that's pretty much who's listening to this. So let's yeah. say we have an anxious kid what would be some good first steps like as far as dialogue and maybe setting some um, preferences so that we're, we're keeping it a little bit safer? Right. So I, I, the most basic thing that I would offer is, is the dialogue piece. And whether you have a, an, an actual contract where you write down some of the expectations and rules, we could talk about that in a few minutes. I think we touched on that in the, in mm-hmm. the first um, time we spoke. Um, but ultimately what we're talking about is what I referenced earlier where I, I would, depending on your the age of your kid, if your kid is old enough to be on YouTube, I would, you know, even an anxious kid, I would have this dialogue around, there are weird, creepy people in this world. You see them every day on the street. You'll see them at the supermarket. Um, the whole, the old adage of try not, you know, don't talk to strangers. You know, what that's, what is that about? It's, you know, there's, there's weird people that some of which are just weird and they're perfectly harmless. And some weird people could be kind of dangerous or harmful or whatever. Same weird people that are in your neighborhood and in our society, I don't mean your literal neighborhood, hopefully, but they could be, um, are also on the internet and, and trying to help them understand that, you know, not that they need to be scared every time they go on their iPad. I don't want that. Um, but there, there should be some level of, yeah, I, there's a decent chance I'm going to see something that is either A, inappropriate or creepy or weird or, um, and this is what I'm going to do if and when I see that. And the more I can predict and feel um, like I know what I'm going to do when I see that, which could be as simple as I'm going to flag it and, and go get mommy. Um, so she could see it too. And then we report it or whatever, but I don't think you need to go through all those steps ahead of time, but as long as the prediction and the awareness, again, depending on the kid's age, you don't want to go overboard here, but that there is a plan in place that makes them feel 
powerful that whatever is going to, I'm going to see on this screen because it's on a screen. It's nothing's jumping out at them and grabbing them. You know, it might feel that way, but it's not, that's not how screens work. <laughs> Amazing that the graphics are, you know, that's not what's happening. So, but they might see something that might f- make them feel really uncomfortable. And if, if, and when that happens, they're okay. And we got to talk about it. And, but yeah. for them to be aware of that would be my first step. And I like that because I feel like, you know, I'm always big about taking lemons and making lemonade. And I feel like we can take this, this huge um, uptick in talking about Momo and our online safety and, and turn it into a really good discussion because our kids are going to come home. They're going to hear about it at school just because it's kind of like in vogue to talk about this week, maybe next week too. And and like I know with my son, I didn't bring it up, but then I did normalize it the way that you're doing. And so I think explaining to your kids, you know, exactly what you said, there are there are weird people. And I had this exact conversation with him last night because he's like, you know, is Momo gonna try to kill me? Or here's a green thought. So I talked about red thoughts and green thoughts, and he was like, Well, my my green thought is that there's there's thousands of homes. So the the chances of Momo coming to our home is really small. And and so I had to have more of a dialogue and say, Momo is just someone behind a keyboard, you know, if that, you know, there's just jerks in the world. There's weird people and they may not even be in this country. So I think just normalizing and bringing it down, like you said, it's not jumping out of our screen, you know? And then finally he said, oh, it's like a hacker mom. It's just like someone who's hacking, like behind a keyboard. And I said, yeah, they're not going to actually hurt you. But if you see something weird that makes you uncomfortable, and this is where we move into just that general conversation, let me know. Or definitely click off of it, you know, so that we're not just talking about Momo, but we're just talking about, yeah, you're going to see weird things online. We can't always protect you, but, you know, let me know about it or don't watch it. Right. And again, that, that has nothing to do, in my opinion, with Momo. I think you're right that this week it gives us an opportunity to renew those dialogues and reset in some ways, especially with younger kids. Um, who might be, you know, who felt and parents felt that YouTube kids or one of these other um, apps, YouTube, you know, it it was safe because, you know, it's, it's, it's still the internet. So, you know, just, you know, I, you know, I don't want to be too redundant here. So I would just agree that it's about having that dialogue and, um, and having, you know, if your kids are old enough, if you're, if you're handing over this adult device, iPad or whatever it is, if you're inviting them into the adult digital world and if there, you don't have some restrictions in place or settings in place and it's not set up in a way, which unfortunately, as I travel the country speaking to lots of lovely communities, that is what I hear that most families, I don't care how well-intentioned and lovely the people are and intelligent they are. There aren't that many people out there that I come in contact with, at least that are at my workshops, that have too much in place. They have they've heard of different things, and they maybe they bought Circle, or maybe they you know they've heard about different various um, ways of uh, handling things. But then they just they're reactive. They're 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 busy. They they haven't gotten around to it. They know they should. They feel sort of guilty that they haven't. But they but they're not doing this, but the reality is they're inviting their kids into the digital world and at minimum as, as a starting point to have this brief conversation about as you go into YouTube, you know, please be aware, Johnny, that there's some weird people in the world and you can make it funny, but make sure they understand that 
they're they're likely to come in contact with creepy, weird, inappropriate. You know, I don't know exactly what the 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 average age of seeing pornography is, but it's getting younger and younger. I can tell you that. Last I read, it was around eleven, but I think that's actually not true. I think it's probably closer to eight at this point, which is shocking. Yeah. Uh, my point is that there there is going to be creepy, inappropriate things, even if you have some of these settings in place. And as good parents, I'm sure you know we could say, okay, we're going to put some things in place, and and things are still going to get out, get get through the filters. Are still you know. Or our kids are going to go around the filters because they'll learn how to, um, because they're very savvy. They're natives. Where at least, at least most of us still are pioneers. Yeah. Um, and so, therefore, um, you know, it's it's not going to be a hundred percent. We're keeping our kids a hundred percent safe all the time online. That's just, yeah. I don't think that's a thing. So there's three. So it's three things that basically are saying: open the dialogue, keep the dialogue. That's that's key. Uh, learn about parental controls because just because you're saying give them that freedom, like we can't protect them. There are still parental controls that we can explore. And I mean, I learned a lot of parental controls from your course that I didn't even know. Like I didn't know you could lock the iPad. I remember last time we talked, that was I mean, that just, that like literally altered our life that day. (laughs) Um, you know, I want them to listen to guided imagery when they go to bed, but I don't want them playing on their iPad at three in the morning. And now I know how to lock it. So I think it's just becoming savvy and learning those things. And then the third point is, you know, you're going to have to have the expectation that you can't completely cocoon your kids. Like they are going to, they're going to come across things that are maybe upsetting and it's not a perfect world and it will never be completely pure like that. So it's like these three things that we have to consider. Yes to all three of those. Thank you for summarizing um, at the risk of me rambling here, which I try not to do, um, but I talk a lot. So, um, but what I was, I guess the piece that I would shift slightly in that lat in the third item is not only around the cocooning our kids from my point of view, if you're really a motivated parent, especially of a, of a young kid, you could do a decent job cocooning. You could um, keep them off the internet for the most part, especially f- when they're pretty young. And there, there's arguments out there that, you know, maybe that actually is the right thing to do in terms of brain development, in terms of, you know, we don't really know what this, all this is doing um, in terms of evolution and where we're going. And I know there, there's, there's, there's sides to this debate where I have come down um, almost out of necessity of, of working with so many parents in the way that you're just described, who's likely listening to this parents of anxious kids, parents of, uh, you know, of, a of at least a borderline clinical population, meaning, um, kids who are really struggling. Though that's where th- that is who I spend the majority of my time with, um, for those parents and others, I actually don't think it's a good idea to really go into this looking to cocoon because even though you want to keep your kids safe and you want to teach them, you want to teach them to be savvy and to be able to manage this world into their future because they are going to be adults. You know, I work with lots of teenagers where, you know, in a couple of years, you know, this idea of not having phones in your room, just as a, it's a common recommendation I make all the time with good reason. Sleep deprivation is a major issue across the world, certainly in, in the communities that I, that I know. 
um, and the phones in their room is a major factor that just exacerbates the sleep deprivation, if not causes it, but it definitely makes it worse. Um, but you think about these teenagers who are going off to college in three years, two years, next year, in a month, they're going to keep their phones in their room. They're, they don't have a choice, depending on the what campus they're on. What are they going to, you're expecting your 18-year-old to keep their phone in a closet? That's not going to happen. Yeah. They're going to keep it on their nightstand, just like most of the parents do. And so it's really preparing them, anxious or not, impulsive or not, um, vulnerable or not, to be able to manage the world that they're going to be in. And that includes dealing with stupid, freaky things like Momo. Yeah. And that's the category I'm putting it in right now, that it's just this viral, annoying thing that it's all over my newsfeed. And it says something yeah. about things that I follow, but it's, and I felt guilty in a way earlier this week when I myself posted it, four different families sent it to me. And I figured people were talking about it. I knew it was clickbait. I knew it was similar to the whole blue whale thing that, you know, yeah, there's some concern here, but am I contributing to it? Am I giving it more exposure? You know, and I did. And yeah. Oh, I did too. I saw your thing and then I shared it. This <laughs> is what happened. And so it grew exponentially. And here we are again talking about it. And, so, you know, hopefully in a productive, healthy, positive way. That's why I started with, you know, maybe not having that picture because it, yeah. just, it just keeps feeding it, which yeah. is what it's designed to do. Yeah. And I, you know, I really, I like, I look at life in general as, we're, we're given bad things or upsetting things. And then it's like, how do we turn this around and make it, make it a good thing? You know, right now there's a, there's a microscope under uh, online activity with kids. That mm -hmm. actually is awesome yep. because how many of us don't spend enough time thinking about this? We don't have a dialogue about it. We don't talk to our kids about it. We don't think about what our kids are watching or how we can have a conversation about it. So I'm, I'm hoping that this will shift. People want to read about this right now. They want to hear about it. They don't understand it. Um, I'm not really a, upset that I shared the Momo story. I wish I had found a creative way of not showing the image. Um, but I shared the article and the, the image popped up, but took it off my Facebook group because it was traumatizing people. But I mean, as a parent to anxious kids, we need to be ahead of, you know, we have to be proactive. And so knowing that this is coming down the pike and our kids are going to come home and they're going to talk about it and we can have our planned response of how we're going to handle it as anxious parents can be really helpful. And I think the dialogue that we're having is important. Absolutely. So let me shift to your second question, um, which was about, are there certain settings, are there parental control pieces that um, should be part of this? Um, and I would say there are, and there's some that are built in Especially, again, I focus the most on Apple products because that's what most kids and families are still seeking out and have. Yeah. Um, uh, there's other options for Android. And, you know, as I mentioned, Circle earlier, um, Circle, Circle? all wireless devices in the house. Um, so, you know, and you could set certain limits there. So um, yeah. any limit I'm about to reference, my hope and my goal would be, wouldn't be just to stop the kid. Um, again, just keeping with the same theme, the, the limits that I use um, are ways of having, an, the, the limits 
are enforceable based on what the parents say are the rules and what we're hoping to accomplish to teach our kids to learn to self-regulate. The internet is designed to be dysregulating, and we could talk about that. I don't know if there'll be time today, but maybe another time. And I would strongly recommend parents, especially if you have a, you know, maybe 10 and up, um, 10 year old and up. Uh, there's an amazing documentary out uh, called Like, L-I-K-E. Um, it really goes through a lot of what we're talking about here and but around social media, especially, but how it's literally designed, you know, it's, it, you know, and they do all these interviews with people, you know, from the tech industry and kids and that, that it's brilliantly designed where the user is the product and it's an attention-based economy. And, and again, so the, the, I won't get into that too much right now, but the documentary like I would definitely recommend that I've been on panels and led discussions oh, cool. just recently. And it's, I'm sure it's out there. I don't have the website in front of me, but I'm sure I could send I'll it I'll find to it. You. Yeah, um, it, it's Indie Flicks, I think, is the, um, okay. the um, same people who did Angst, which is also oh, a great okay. uh, Screenagers, um, a couple of others, too. Um, so I just put that out there um, that, you know, because that's on my mind as we're talking about this, that it's the, these apps and YouTube included are designed to pull our attention and pull our kids attention who are more vulnerable than we are. Anxiety aside, kids right. blame as we I think we talked about this last time. Yeah. They don't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. They have an overdeveloped emotional brain that sets them up to seek out and want to and be more vulnerable to be pulled into the internet in very real, very powerful ways. Um, and so when we're talking about parental controls, the reason I threw that in here is part of what I'm going for here is can we force the dialogue? Can we get can we force our kids to have to stop and think and um, ask for more time potentially almost built in as like, okay, I'm this next month, you know, I'm sorry to frustrate you, Johnny, but you know, when you're on YouTube, you're going to notice that you're going to, you're going to see this thing pop up where it's going to say you only have five minutes left. I want you to know ahead of time when you come to me and say, Hey, there's only five minutes left. I know it might be a little bit annoying and hopefully it won't be in the right in the middle of the video, but I will give you more time, but I want to make sure that you register in your head that 20 minutes, a half an hour, an hour, whatever the time, original time limit has expired or yeah. five minutes expired. I want you to start to realize that and have that awareness of the time that's going by because it goes by so quickly. Yeah. The child isn't feeling defensive. And, and isn't just in a no, no, no mode, they'll understand because you're not taking anything away again. But you're forcing that dialogue. And even uh, if they are in a no, no, no mood, which they might be, I mean, you're so, still bringing that awareness, you know, where they're just not getting sucked in and they're, they're, not, they're not being aware of how much time they're spending on it. Right. So, the, so with Apple, the easiest way to do that is with their new screen time um, functionality. It's right under settings. If you update to iOS 12, which came out, I think, in September or October of 2018, so relatively recently, most parents you know, who have an iPhone or, or relatively new iPad um, probably already have updated. If not, you know, um, I would encourage everyone to do that. Um, Unfortunately, I have not updated my online course yet to include the screen time. I just haven't found the time to, to sit yeah. down and do that. I need to. Um, but um, what I do in my live workshops, at least, is I go through and I show parents how 
um, very simply um, that the engineers at Apple have it all built in. You already paid for it. You don't have to buy a new set of software and this new app and whatever. It's all built in. And if you just kind of click through, um, you could set limits on your child's device through your device. It links up with the family sharing, which I know we talked about. You're kidding me. (laughs) I didn't even know this. So again, once you have the family sharing set up with the ask to buy system, which also, by the way, forces the dialogue. Yeah. Instead of your child just off and running with the app that he they heard about at school or from their older the older kid at the back of the bus, they have to ask your permission before it goes on their personal device. That's the family sharing piece. In addition to family sharing now, automatically what gets linked up in the screen time portion of the settings would be your children's name. Any, any child who's a minor that's part of the family sharing is then listed under the screen time. You click on them, you create a password that they don't know, they can't guess, four digits, last four of your childhood phone number or something like that, that they can't guess, you won't forget. And then you have a whole menu of items that you could then turn things on and off. You could set app limits, um, which forces the dialogue. You know, YouTube, YouTube Kids, whatever you're using, Jester, um, you could set, okay, it's an hour. And you only have an hour. So you can individually set them for the different apps? Yep. That's amazing. See, I didn't even know this. Through screen time, um, you could set that up. Um, that's different than the guided access, by the way. That's yeah. That's section. Yeah. Um, guided access is under settings, accessibility, learning, and you kind of have to click through and then set it yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's really hidden. Yeah. That, I don't know. Why? I don't know. Yeah. Um, if Apple would just call me back, I could potentially <laughs> don't return my phone calls. Anyway, um, so it has got it access, locks the, the device on that one app. And the, there's also a way of setting limits and all that. I mean, time limits. So it, again, it forces that dialogue. If the time limit is up, the best thing you could do um, or the thing your kid would love you to do is to give more time because right. they handled it well. They didn't have a tantrum. They didn't throw the iPad. They yeah. helped them predict, okay, in 20 minutes, this is going to go off. And if you handle it well and you come to me and you don't yell at me and you're respectful, you're going to get another 20 minutes. Yeah, and I love that. It's very simple that. and it forces their awareness and it forces their mindfulness and it forces that dialogue. So you are teaching them to manage themselves. This is all about lo- kids learning to self-regulate. Yeah, that's such a good, a good point. It's like, it's not just like you're, you know, you're pushing down the authority. It's like you're using these parental controls to facilitate awareness and, and foster that dialogue. And then you're not the bad guy when you say, you know what? I love the way you were calm and you came to me. Yeah, absolutely. Go have 20 more minutes. And then you're the, you're the good guy. Again, yeah, I like that. You're, you're attending, you're giving them positive attention, which gets the reinforcement cycles going. Um, instead of it's all negative and it's always taking things away and they're in trouble. And because um, that becomes a coping strategy for lots of kids, especially with anxiety, clinical anxiety, I would say their number one coping strategy, generalizing, I'm sorry, is getting their parents to cope for them. Um, yeah. Parents, you know, clamp down, and I'm guilty of this at home sometimes. Um, where I, you know, it's again the the simplest track to getting to where I need to be as a parent to get my kid to handle themselves is for me to lower the boom, and we're done. Yeah. And 
that works for me, but it doesn't work for the child because yeah. they're not the one um, learning to regulate. And if we're talking about MoMA, we're talking about uh, Fortnite, um, Apex Legends, which is the new sort of Fortnite craze game. Um, whatever the thing is on the internet, it's all designed to be dysregulating. Literally, it's designed to be dysregulating, which is why it pulls us in. And um, it's our job as parents to teach our kids to, re- to, to learn to regulate over time. Yeah, I like that. I like the shift of we're teaching them to self-regulate. We can't avoid this technology. It is here. It's going to be here. It's going to even grow. And so um, teaching them how to cope with that is such a wonderful thing. I know you have amazing resources. Um, I know I took your course a long time ago and I thought, eh, you know, I'll just look at what he's got. I'm sure I won't learn anything new. And I was taking notes the entire time. So, and you walk, you walk a parent through exactly how to set these um, preferences and you have contracts on there and, and even just philosophically the bigger dialogue. So it's, it's a really good go-to. I appreciate that. Any parents that are out there and that are, Attempted uh, to look at it again. It's iparent101.com. iparent101.com is my website. Um, and anybody who does get the current course, um, you have a lifetime subscription. So when I do update it, um, you don't have to worry about, you know, that you're going to miss out on the new information because the current course that's there, I think is, it's still a parenting course. I go through some of the details of the tech stuff. Uh, but the tech piece is really what I need to update. I'll probably update the whole thing when I do have time, but I am, it's on my calendar. I just, I just need to do it. Um, especially the screen time stuff, because there is no manual. Uh, Apple came out with all this stuff. They invested their engineers, you know, created, um, uh, serviceable parental controls built in, but no one really knows about it unless you're tuned in. And uh, I know, and apparently I'm not. <laughs> now you are. Yeah, I know. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go get their iPads and do something new. I don't think a lot of people know about this. So that was just a huge takeaway in and of itself. See, thank you, Momo. <laughs> thank you, Momo. Yeah, good things are happening. Exactly. Right, well, I appreciate you coming on um, short yeah. notice because I just grabbed you and I wanted to talk to you right away. So I appreciate your flexibility and Absolutely. you are always my uh my person when i have a tech question around kids so thank you so much pleasure take care again uh iparent101.com if there's any questions you can email me directly info at iparent101.com i built the whole course from those questions starting with in my office which is where i am right now um and then all these workshops that I'm doing around the country, um, those questions get factored into the next workshop I do. So um, um, thank you so much. Yeah, very helpful. Well, I hope you found that conversation helpful and grounding, um, kind of reduce your nerves a little bit and know where to go from here with your kids. Definitely check out his website, iparent101.com. He is a wealth of information and I will leave a link in the show notes and on my website about his iParent 101 classes that you can take online. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes to show your support. That is a really helpful way to give back to the show if you're finding this helpful and appreciative. If you want to take it one step further, I always appreciate when people take the extra time to leave a review. 
and you can leave a review on iTunes or wherever you consume this podcast. I always love to end the show reading one of the reviews to kind of give my shout out and gratitude to the person who takes the time to do that. So this week, I want to say thank you to Annie Carey, who wrote Natasha Daniels has helped me reframe how I parent my anxious and sensory children. I highly recommend this podcast. And I want to thank Nat, who said as a licensed professional mental health counselor, this is amazing for resources for my practice. And I really appreciate that when I hear that therapists are utilizing um, my podcast and, and getting support that way, because it's just great for us therapists to support each other as well. So thank you, Annie Carey and Nat for leaving those reviews. And if you have something wonderful to say, <laughs> please feel free to leave it. And I may be reading your review next time. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will talk to you again next Tuesday. When I first discovered Natasha, I was in a desperate place with my son and his anxiety was getting worse. And we had tried counseling and it was not going well. Natasha gave us practical tools. She wasn't like the books that we had read that were, you know, you have three kids, but somehow you can magically spend 10 hours a day on your one anxious kid and just, you know, life is great for the other two. She's helped me understand OCD on a level that no therapist I have come across seems to understand. Natasha had practical real life advice that we started implementing the day that we listened to them. Not only did it help with our son's anxiety, it helped my husband and I to recognize um, the anxiety that we had in our parenting that was actually contributing to our children's anxiety. Her tools are, I mean, life-changing. She has been amazing, and I'm so thankful for the work that she provides to all of us who have children um, who battle anxiety and OCD. It is so exciting to see him about a year later, just thriving in school. She really has guided us the whole way, and without her, our lives would be very different. We're very grateful. My husband and I are forever grateful to Natasha Daniels for helping us to figure out where to even start with anxiety. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD, she is your go-to woman. Parenting a child with anxiety is not easy, and sometimes it feels hopeless, and um, in a desperate time in my journey with my son, I started searching the internet and found Natasha Daniels. She has been a lifesaver. Her resources have given me hope. They've given me tools and support, and I, I highly recommend her and her resources. They are phenomenal, and they're some of the best resources you can find out there for anxiety and OCD. Hi, my name is Natasha Daniels, and I understand what it's like to raise kids with anxiety and OCD. I'm doing it every single day. And I also know what it feels like to empower them, to give them the skills and tools to help themselves, to watch them blossom, face their fears, and become more than their anxiety and more than their OCD. And I want to do that for you as well. Join me in the AT Parenting Community where I partner with you and walk alongside you in your journey, helping you getting to know your family and your child's particular needs and particular struggles. I'll help guide you and walk you through ways to empower your own kids and see success in your house. You will finally have someone in your corner who not only has the understanding of your struggle, but has the expertise and knowledge to help get you through it. You can find out more about the AT Parenting Community 
at atparentingcommunity.com or you can text all one word atparentingcommunity to 44222. Together we can do this. good and I hope I'll be like her. I have had OCD for over five years. I have trained my brain and you can do the same thing.